Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the AWS Podcast. Simon Lisher here with you. Great to have you back. And I'm joined by multiple guests to talk about something pretty cool today. Firstly, I'm joined by the inimitable Jeff Bark. G'day, Jeff. Good day, Simon. Good to have you back on the podcast. And we've got some interesting news to share soon. But before we do that, we have some other guests to introduce. In fact, the first guest is Anna Wisniewski, and she is someone I'd characterize as the Spock to Jeff's Captain Kirk. Welcome, Anna. Hey, Simon. How's it going? <laughs> Thanks. And uh, we have more members of the uh, of the Enterprise uh, because we're also joined by um, Daniel Westerman-Clark, who is the Scotty to Anna's Spock. Uh, welcome, Daniel. Hey, Simon. Now, all three of you are fundamental in the production of the AWS blog, and we're going to get into some detail about that and some very, very exciting news for our listeners regarding the podcast and the blog. But before we get into any of that, Jeff, we wanted to talk a bit about you know, where the blog came from, why it exists. It's, it's kind of something we take for granted, but, um, but let's get in the Wayback Machine and let's maybe party like it's 1999 and tell us how did the AWS blog even become a thing? Okay. So actually did the Wayback Machine exist in 1999? I'm not sure it did. I, I don't know. I don't know if we had enough gigawatts to power it at that stage. Anyway. <laughs> okay. So back in 1999, I was working at Microsoft. I was on the Visual Basic team and let's see. What happened was that XML was a brand new format at the time and I thought it was a pretty neat thing and was looking for a practical application for it. And then I learned of this new thing called RSS. And I thought, okay, well, I can, I, I was always a news junkie. I wanted to do something interesting with news. RSS would give me this flood of news. And I thought, I'll build a little application. I built this thing I called Headline Viewer in Visual Basic because I was on the VB team. And I started to go out and collect RSS feeds from every news site that I could find. And I also would start writing the sites that had news, and I would effectively evangelize them and say, have you heard of this neat new format called RSS? I think it would be awesome if you were to publish your content in RSS. So that was step one. And so the, the idea of having a blog was new. I mean, back in, back in the day, it's funny, we assume blogs are just a thing. I guess when it became the AWS blog, it was really one of the primary mechanisms through which customers could be made aware of new things that we were doing at AWS. And back in the day, there was, it wasn't the stream of updates that is today, is it? That's right. So let me, let me give you steps two and three to put a little bit more of a picture. So I started evangelizing all these sites and getting all this great content. And I had this list of probably a thousand new sites. And people started saying that my list was actually more interesting than the app itself. So I took the list and I created a, a dynamic website around it called Syndicate. And I built that in PHP and MySQL. I put a web services API on, on it. And it turned out that my experience with XML, with RSS, and with web services was instrumental in getting hired on to the AWS team. I'm on the team. And I'm the, one of the, I am the evangelist for AWS. So I'm starting to think about ways to magnify my, my influence on thinking bigger than simply going out and speaking all the time. I was a voracious consumer of of various tech blogs and other kinds of content that I could get in syndicated form. And I, I went to Andy and I went to Drew Herdner, who was AWS PR at the time, and I said, I'd like to create a blog to talk about all the upcoming launches as we move to start launching this, what would turn out to be a barrage of AWS services. 
And uh, they said, they said, yeah, sure, no worries. How hard could it be? <laughs> well, it was very hard to get the idea across because there there wasn't anything like AWS back then. This was 2003, 2004. There was nothing like AWS. There really wasn't any other blog that was being used on a commercial basis to launch new products and launch new services. It was a little bit hard to get my point across. And so ultimately, I got a free pass to use TypePad. I think it was a thousand-day pass. I wrote a few posts and I started saying, well, here's our blog. This is the way I'd like to do it. The feedback was great, both internally and externally. So I, I started very informally at first. I, we would be doing a product launch and somewhat haphazardly and without a big plan at first, because we didn't really know what it is that we we were building up to. People would say, hey, we're launching something new. Why don't you write about it? In the early days of AWS, things were a lot less structured, a lot less formal than they are now. So I would just quickly dash off a post, a moderate amount of internal review, and it actually started to, to work and it started to take hold and people liked it. And then year upon year, the proportion of my energy that went into it would, would grow, the traffic would grow, but it was still something of a side project as far as I was concerned, probably for the first three to four years. Now, in, t- in terms of the structure of the blog posts, I think even when I look back at some of those early ones, the, the, the tone is kind of the same. There's a very distinct hands-on practical component you seem to have strived for. Maybe share with us your process and and how you attain that level. So I always thought that because blogs really originated as personal expression, self-expression, that it was coming from me. It wasn't coming from an organization or from a group or from a company or from a team. It It was supposed to represent my experience. And in order to be, I think, direct and authentic, it, it seemed nothing better than to simply do everything myself and take the reader on the, the journey as I went through the service. And I would open up the service and I would use it. And as I go through, I would take screenshots and document my progress. Occasionally, I might wander off into the wrong corner and have to back up a step or two. Sometimes I might even blog about that part just to show. I think it's really important to show that I'm I'm exploring this just like the audience is. And sometimes I, I might make a little mistake and go off in the wrong direction, unwind and, and keep on going. I, I think you, you have to be human. You have to be real. Yeah, it's it's, it's really important. And it's, it's funny. I talk to people from time to time. They're like, hey, does, does Jeff really write those blog posts? And having seen the inside workings, I can tell you that yes. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> and goes through all the joys of personal exploration. <laughs> and, and that cuts two ways. Um, if my name is on it, then I, I wrote it. And... If someone else were to give me some code or to contribute a screenshot or something, I'm I'm really ferocious about making sure that credit where credit is due. I, I I would never want to take credit for anybody else's efforts, and so I'm I'm very quick to credit and to link in in case there is a situation where someone else were to contribute. Uh, let me tell you a bit yeah. about the process because this this has evolved over the years and th- this works really well for me. At, at a lot of times, I will have several posts going concurrently, and I think that if anything has gotten better over the years in, in terms of my skill and my expertise. It's just the ability to deal with a lot of things happening at the same time. And the way I like to do that is to operate in what I would think of as a, as a stateless fashion. So I, I try to keep actually as little bit of information in my head as possible. Everything is either in one of our ticketing systems or in a mind map or in the blog post itself. But as far as remembering the details of the different services You'd be surprised at how little I actually retain about the details from from day to day. Like a queuing system. <laughs> in, in a sense. And so what I like to do when a new team is getting ready to launch, the first thing that they'll do, they'll create a, a ticket. And Anna is, is very, very 
emphatic that they must have a ticket and they must conform to our model in order to make sure that we have we have some level of discipline on the team. They create a ticket. They attach this uniquely Amazon document called the PRFAQ, the Press Release and Frequently Asked Questions. That document generally will give me about 80% of the information that I should have in hand in order to write the post. So I'll, I'll take the PRFAQ. I'll generally print it out. I'll read through it once with a highlighter. And then I'll open up my mind mapping tool. And I use a tool called FreeMind. That I, I really, really like FreeMind because it's mostly keyboard driven. I'll go through the PRFAQ and I'll, I'll take all the facts and all the content in the PRFAQ and I'll turn those into a mind map. And the, the mind map is effectively my internal representation of what I would like to write in the blog. I get that mind map put together. And at, at that point, I feel like I'm probably about 70% of the way through the blog post. I haven't written any content, but I've got my, my thoughts and the content organized. And at that point, what I simply have to do, and this, this sounds like it's overly simple, but once I've, I've done this, it is pretty straightforward. I simply traverse the mind map in, I think would be called a, a depth first in order traversal. I'm pretty sure that's what I'm doing. I do a depth first in order traversal and I turn... Effectively, the interior nodes become paragraphs and the leaf nodes turn into sentences. And what I'm doing as I, as I do that traversal, I'm making a lot of judgments about the level of detail, if you will, about how much content I really have room for in the post. So that mind map gives me a nice organized view of all the things I might choose to talk about. And then I make a lot of judgment calls as I traverse it to decide what is really the most important and what do I need to emphasize. And so how long, and this is probably the how long is a piece of string question, how long would it typically take you to do a blog post? Well, there's a whole lot of different parts of the process I haven't talked about yet, but generally creating the mind map is going to be on the order of, let's say, two to three hours. If I can sit down and, and focus, writing an 800-word an blog post might be on the order of, I'm going to say four hours, five hours or so. That's going to also depend on the state of the service. So one of the interesting things when you're a blogger is that you're handed all these brand new services, but the services aren't done yet because if they were finished, we would have already launched them. So generally, I get things when the, the last bits of connectivity have not yet been established. And so there, there's, there's sometimes a little bit of back and forth with the team to confirm that things are, are working as expected. But generally, you can figure there's about six hours of writing and screenshotting and linking and so forth to get to the first draft. Just to the first draft. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So let's 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 jump at this point because I think it's it's relevant to bring Spock into the conversation. So Anna, <laughs> yeah. um, clearly this this was a model that worked back in nineteen ninety nine slash early two thousands. Mm-hmm. However, um, you're you're really the one who makes it work <laughs> at scale. Do you want to talk us about Talk to us about how you make that work, but also what the scale looks like these days. Well, um, when I came aboard about two years ago now, um, Jeff was managing everything through email. So basically, he would get an email with someone having a launch coming up and he'd write a blog post. But with about a 40% year-over-year growth and things were launching, that ends up getting pretty big pretty fast. So I worked to put a little bit of process behind it where it was basically now there's a ticketing system, uh, which is why if you ever see someone from the blog team on the back of our hoodies, it says, is it in the ticket? Um, and essentially there's a ticketing system now where people put in a ticket and they ask for a blog post. And then we look and we have to prioritize which post Jeff can do because he's one person. Um, we do occasionally have surges of other evangelists helping write. Uh, for example, during reInvent, we put out 37 blog posts um, 
And that's with a team of myself and then three writers. So that gets a little hectic, but um, we basically scale by finding where our priorities are and using the ticketing system to keep uh, all of our timing on track. And the listenership has certainly grown from the start. Can you, can you give us any data about which posts are popular or places people tend to read from, etc.? Um, so it's really funny is that we have a couple posts that are really fairly old that tend to be really popular. Uh, one that comes to mind is we have a calculator post. It is always in our top 10 performers, uh, which we kind of use to pick on our engineers that we're updating that calculator. <clears throat> um, but one of the things that always performs well is when Jeff does something a little bit unique, a little bit different. Uh, for example, when he uses Lego, anytime Jeff does a Lego post, those perform really, really well. Um, and people tend to you know, really engage on those because we're not just looking at did people read. We also want to see do people talk to us? Are they sharing the post? Are they making comments? Are they asking questions? So eyes on is great, but customers talking to us and engaging in a conversation is what we're really aiming for. So Jeff's fun with Lego always helps with that. I guess it's interesting because it really appeals to the builder <laughs> side of people, and it's one of the ch- one of the challenges of IT is everything we deal with is kind of abstract, mm-hmm. and so. Visualization with Lego is is fun, although I think it brings its own problems. I think when you were doing the Lego one for one of the reInvent launches, some transportation fun you had to deal with. <laughs> so, well, let's just say, though, when you're talking about how um, a lot of what happens in IT is abstract, this particular Lego thing we're going to talk about right now was very concrete. Like, we had a very clear vision of what this Lego object needed to be. So, <laughs> go ahead, Jeff. <laughs> All right, so I'm sitting here in my home office, and I'm surrounded by probably about, I'm guessing about 300,000 Lego bricks and constructions of, of various types. And I, looking looking right in front of me, there's this really neat truck that is, is an actual Lego product that I, I built. And when I was getting ready to blog about Snowmobile, I, I heard that it was going to be a truck. And I looked at that Lego truck, which is actually in red, and I thought, oh, I could, I could make one of something like that in white, and that would be kind of a neat thing to have. And I, I started proposing it within the organization, and I, I was sure at some point somebody would shoot it down and say, no, you can't use Lego. That's, a, that's for children, even though there's, there's quite a few uh, adult Lego fans like myself. But every time someone saw what I was working on, all I got was, was positive feedback and lots of encouragement and, of course, suggestions to build even more. And so I, I built what we call the, the snowmobile truck, and I, I built some scenes to go along with it. And I, I was very, very proud of it, and I was absolutely apprehensive about getting it from Seattle to Las Vegas without it just degrading into a box of bricks, never to be seen again. So Anna was generous enough to give it a, a custom escort from Seattle to Vegas, which she can tell you yeah, about. Yeah, I, uh, I decided to drive, and so we, we – mostly because I wanted to go through wine country before going to reInvent. But we uh, we put the snowmobile in the back of my car so that it got there in one piece. <laughs> we like it. The mobile and the mobile. So Daniel, pretty much. Daniel, you're uh, you're the Scotty here. You know, if we give her any more, she'll blow up. Um, this is probably one of the more heavily trafficked blogs, and enjoys the feature of people waiting for new announcements and then hitting it really hard. So tell us about some of the work you've been doing on the platform lately. Sure. So we have kind of an interesting architecture in the sense that we um, run a lot of very commonly used tools behind the scenes. 
But then to actually make the website run quickly and scale to the traffic that we see, uh, we have very custom services that we've built on the front end that customers interact with. And what are some of the biggest challenges you've had to face in terms of making this platform sing? Like, What are some of the, the technical challenges you, you dealt with? So early on when Anna was first hired, uh, <laughs> she went through a pretty major content migration process and triggered all sorts of alarms for my team. I think uh, she broke it, we ended up having about 100,000. Totally I was wondering if he was going to mention that. Like the first time we ever had a meeting together was him going, you seriously set off all these alarms. I'm like, oops. Yeah, we, we had a two orders of magnitude additional like messages to process behind the scenes. So we, everybody who was trying to publish blog content uh, ran into slowdowns as a result of Anna's work. But <laughs> we put in a bunch of platform improvements to make sure that that stuff doesn't happen again. Um, other scaling things are really more uh, customizing the features that we have on the blogging platform to meet the demands of you know Jeff and Anna's team, making sure that they have the the tools and the workflows and processes uh, built in to scale their content and be able to write the, the volume of posts that they need to. And evolving this platform, you know, one thing I know our listeners always like to hear about is migrations and conversions and the like. What were some of the challenges you had to face in, in upgrading the, the blog in flight, as it were? Yeah, so one of the biggest challenges that we ran into was just really a content transformation problem. So the idea of uh, Jeff used to be on TypePad and then we wanted to bring his blog in-house, being able to take the thousands of blog posts that he had written and make sure that they make it over into the platform and maintain the high quality, making sure that we didn't break any links, breaking any images. Um, that required actually building a lot of tools behind the scenes to validate everything that we were doing along the way. You imagine it was a check, recheck, and check again. Absolutely. And <laughs> there was a little bit of a human check here and there, kind of spot checking. But we tried to automate as much of it as possible because nobody can check the amount of content that Jeff has written by hand. <laughs> Not even Jeff. Not even Jeff. <laughs> Well, yeah, we recently hit 3,000 posts, no. and when we were calculating out the numbers, I was joking around that um, if George R.R. R. Martin doesn't finish his next novel, we're going to pass him in number of words by uh, next year. Basically, the entire Game of Thrones series, Jeff has written as many words and is going to pass him by the end of next year. So, <laughs> Scary numbers. Scary oh, wow. Numbers. So, so – there's no expectations here. I, I have no, you know, no, 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 not not no, like no, I have any no. any reputation to live up here. So, Anna, we've got some exciting news uh, related to the podcast and the blog to talk about uh, in the first instance, which is some some combination that's taking place. Do you want to maybe walk us through what that's going to look like? Yeah. So, customers might have noticed that recently we redesigned the look and feel of the blog. And when you're reading a blog post, you'll see across the top there's related content. Um, well, Daniel and I are hanging out with you soon, and we will be integrating podcast into that feature, meaning that if someone is reading a great blog post about, you know, Lambda, for example, any podcast that recently mentioned that or involved it will show up at the top as related content. So we're going to make sure that customers are getting all the great content they might need, and we're trying to make it easier in one location. So podcast is coming aboard the blog platform so that we can uh, share even more cool stuff with you. 
that would be a good thing and we we like that. And speaking of cool stuff, Jeff, you have something very cool to share with the listeners that uh, that's coming up. I sure do. So if you have been watching my weekly What's New videos, and if you look with very, very sharp eyes, you might have occasionally noticed a, a tall orange robot in the background. Uh, that is my friend Oz. And Oz is a little bit mischievous, and he's going to be hiding some things buried deep inside various pieces of the blog and perhaps in the podcast and in other places. We're hoping to send our readers off on a quest to find all of this content, and I think it's going to take some incredibly sharp eyes. It's going to take a lot of skill. People are going to be scratching their heads and perhaps pulling their hair out. I do want to encourage people once we get things underway you need to look in every nook and cranny of our blog posts and our podcasts. You literally might need to look both inside and out and turn over every rock. I, I don't want to share too much in the way of plans yet. And Oz is kind of winking at me right now. And it looks like I'm sharing just about the right amount of info. But the plans Oz has in store, I'm only privy to a, a subset. And Anna and uh, Dan have been keeping all the, the more interesting stuff from me. I'm going to be at just as much a disadvantage as the audience, but it does look like there's some pretty cool stuff hidden away from what a little bit I've been able to figure out from hallway conversations. So it's going to take some some sharp eyes and some great puzzle solving skills, I think, to figure out what the what is actually going on here. And so tomorrow we encourage you to look at the AWS blog and join us for our AWS quest. The quest, the quest to find something. That's what I'd like to know. <laughs> we really don't know. <laughs> I think Anna has a clue, but we don't know. But there's a oh, I know. there's a word of the day we're going to include in this podcast at some point. Is that right? That uh, someone other than ourselves is going to pronounce. Yes, there will be a word of the day uh, that is a part of the announcement tomorrow at the end of this podcast. Excellent. Look forward to it. So it sounds like people need to be eagle-eyed. They need to read the blog and go on a bit of a quest. That's right here. Absolutely. <laughs> well, let's see how that goes. <laughs> sounds interesting. Yeah, we hey, like to uh, keep the mystery up. So, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Anna and Daniel, thanks for joining us. Thank you. And Jeff, as always, great to have you back uh, on the podcast as my partner in podcasting. It's been fun. Awesome. And uh, good luck, everyone listening on your quest. Uh, keep an eye out for the integration into the blog as well between the podcast, which should make things a bit easier. And as always, we'd love to get your feedback. AWS podcast at amazon.com. And until next time, keep on building. The word of the day is Quivna Eru.